Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Joab hasn't read chapter 11. Joab doesn't know, amen, Joab doesn't know that David slept with Uriah's wife. Joab doesn't know that David is trying to have him killed. Joab doesn't know that Bathsheba is pregnant. So Joab thinks Uriah must have done something wrong, and he trusted David. Now, what do we learn from this? We learn, listen, when you're involved in sin, you get others involved in your sin. And sometimes people get involved in sin, and they don't know it. Joab doesn't know anything about all this, but he trusted David. So now Joab is becoming part of David's sin because he's going to be guilty of murder. Look at verse 16. While Joab was taking the city that he he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew, watch this, there were valiant men. Now, I could be reading into this, but here's my thought. I get a hunch that Joab knew something was up. Because think about this. Think about it. Now, I'm military, 13 years, Navy, nine of them stationed with the Marine Corps. All right? Amen. Two people. Amen. That's all, that's all right. We can take them all. We take all y'all. We take all y'all. Here's why. I get the, I get the hunch that, that David knew, that, that, uh, that Joab knew something. Because as a general, you don't put a sacrificial lamb out there to be killed. You don't intentionally put your men in a place where they can be killed. No, Joab put Uriah near some guys who were warriors. Did you see that? Near some valiant men. There's some guys who were some warriors who could fight. Look at verse 17. The men of the city fought and Joab was out there with them. And some of the servants of David fell and Uriah died also. So now David is costing the lives of other men as well, not just Uriah. Listen, this is the nature of sin. It always leaves collateral damage. In other words, innocent people are hurt and destroyed in the process of your sin. Sin destroys. Did you hear me? Sin destroys. Sin destroys nations. Sin destroys peoples. Sin destroys marriages. Sin destroys youth. Sin destroys. Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin destroys relationships. Sin destroys cultures. Can't you see? Sin is destroying our nation. Sin is destroying our country. Sin is destroying our cities. In verse 18, Joab 
Joab sent messengers to tell David everything that had happened. Joab told the messengers, when you're finished telling David what happened, if the king gets angry, verse 18 through 21, just come with me. If the king gets angry and he says, why did you get so near to the city? Do you, do you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Verse 21, David, listen, is remembering. If you want to write something in your margin, write this. Judges 9, 50 through 57. Judges 9, write that right outside of verse 21. Judges 9, 50 through 57. Judges chapter 9, verses 50 through 57, is the story of a man by the name of Abimelech. And Abimelech is on a rampage to destroy anyone that gets in the way. And so he comes to a tower to burn it down, which you read it in your own time, not now, just listen. So he comes to a tower to burn it down. The people are hiding in there. And there's this one no-name woman who sees Abimelech down there, and she takes a millstone like a cooking utensil, a 10 by 14, approximately 5 pounds, and she threw it down on his head, bullseye, hit him in the head, Martha Stewart style. <laughs> so while, so while <laughs> Abimelech is laying there, reading your own time, is laying there, bloody and bleeding, he called his armor bearer over. Sounds like Saul. He called his armor bearer over and said, "Take your sword and kill me." So people don't say, ha ha, a woman killed you too late because we know a woman really killed him. Amen. Y'all need to wake up. Come with me. The man killed him, the, the armor bearer. You know, I heard the story of this guy who walks up to this female librarian and he said, I'm looking for a book titled Men, the Superior Sex. She looked at him and said, well, it's two hours down in the fiction section. Joab, <laughs> Joab knows David is a military guy. And when you tell David, David's a military guy. When you tell David that five or six of his SEAL team members got killed, David is going to be angry. He's going to say, what kind of strategy was that? Don't you remember the woman who threw down millstones on Abimelech? Why did you go so close to the wall? You know how women like to throw things against the wall. David's point is, Jacques, make sure I get out of here tonight, okay? David's point is, getting close to the wall that's a crazy military move. People die. Joab said, when you hear David ask about what's going on near the wall, then say your servant Uriah is dead. Look at verse 22 through 27. So the messengers went and came and told David all that Joab has sent by him. And the messenger said to David in verse 23, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field, and then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And then David said to the messengers, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one, underline this, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strength, strengthen yourself, strengthen your attack 
against the city and overthrow it and so encourage him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent in verse 27 and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing underlined this last phrase of chapter 11, verse 27. But the thing that David had done displeased who saints? the Lord. So the servants, let me have your attention. The servants get back and they start telling David all that happened. And note, they don't wait for David to get mad. Verse 24, they tell David right out, like straight away. That's how I say in England, straight away, right out, straight away. The archer shot from the wall. And some of the SEAL team members are dead. And Uriah is dead. Now, keep in mind, they don't have text in those days and Facebook and email, so they sent messengers. Verse 25, David said to the messengers, go and tell Joab, don't let this thing displease you, or literally, don't let this be evil in your eyes. Notice the sword devours one as well as another. I had you underline that because that is an old proverb regarding fate Uh, as it relates to war or the fortune of war, fate as it relates to war, being at war. It was like saying you win some, you lose some, or these things happen. It was a way to soothe a guilty conscience, and I'm sure that David said it to his own guilty conscience as much as he said it to Joab. When Bathsheba, in verse 26, heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And there's no reason to believe she knew what David did because it's possible. Listen, you know, I told you Bathsheba, I don't know, praiseworthy, not blameworthy. Uh, It's possible that she was happy to hear Uriah was dead because she would be, if he was alive and all of this came out, she would be labeled. Anybody know where I'm going? She would be labeled an adulteress. And if she were labeled an adulteress, that would mean what? Stoning, good Bible students, stoning. Also, now she's going to be the wife of a king. So I don't know. Maybe she's happy. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. The Bible doesn't tell us, and we're free to speculate. I, I don't know. She's going to be the wife of the king. So I'm not sure her actions are praiseworthy or blameworthy. Culturally, mourning lasted seven days publicly. When her mourning was over, David brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Listen, there was no welfare system in those days, no Social Security, no military uh, retirement, no VA benefits in those days. Um, Not these days either, actually. Uh, It was typical in those days, it was typical for someone to uh, take care of a widow, for the rest of her life to care for her. So when David takes her to his house, David is looking like the big guy. King David is looking like the king who's doing the right thing. She became his wife and bare him a son. But verse 27 tells us the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. 
David in verse 25 said to Joab, don't let this be evil in your eyes. Note this, saints, the last statement of 2 Samuel chapter 11, but the thing that David did was evil in the eyes of the Lord. David, listen, might be thinking nobody knows what he did, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. Hebrews chapter If you've been asleep, wake up right here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things. Y'all come on, read this with me in in verse Hebrews 4, 13. Come on, read it with me. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's what the Bible says. This word open. Let me have that verse for a second. This word open was the word used for the sacrificial lamb when it was brought to slaughter to expose a vein to cut. This word means completely open and vulnerable, rendering powerless. The Bible teaches all people everywhere are in the grip of God and totally vulnerable and helpless and laid bare before his eyes. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and good. Now, let me give you really quickly a, um, thank you for the verse. Let me give you really quickly a concise theology lesson, what we call concise theology. The word omniscient means God knows everything. He knows everything about everybody all the time. God's eyes run everywhere. He searches all hearts. He knows the future, no less than the past and the present. God knows things before they ever happen. Listen to this. This is deep. God knows things that never happen. Are you feeling me? God knows things that never happen. You're trying to wrap your mind around that. Like, what, 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 what? what? God knows things that never happened, like maybe things you thought of, but you never did. Omniscience. God knows everything. Omnipotent. Some people say omnipotent. Omnipotent. Means what? All-powerful. All-powerful. God knows everything. He knows everything about everybody all the time. His eyes run to and fro, the Bible says, throughout the whole earth. So God is always aware. God always knows. He searches all hearts. He knows the future. There's nothing hid from God. There is nothing to hide behind because God sees everything. There's nothing about you that he doesn't know, and he still loves you. Here comes the good news. Nothing about you that that he knows, and yet he still loves you. You know, some people love you until they get to know you. I ain't talking to nobody in this room. Y'all all sweet. Y'all so sweet. Sweet people. Sweet people. Some people love you till they get to know you. God loves you, and he already knows you. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. He already knows you. 
God loves you. He knows everything about you. And that's the good news. God knew what David was going to do before he did it. And yes, he had a choice and he chose to sin with Bathsheba. I'll tell you something Then I'm done. I'm done. The Bible says, listen, you reap what you sow. And the consequences of sin of the seed that you sow will bear fruit. You reap what you sow. Man, I started to go into this whole thing about seed time and harvest here. And I thought, well, I'm out of time. I'm not going to have a lot of time. And it looks like I got plenty of time, but I'm not going to go into it tonight. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you like this. <laughs> you read what you sow. The Bible is very, very clear about that. You sow One kind of seed, you will reap that. You sow peas, you're going to get peas. You don't sow peas and get watermelons. You reap what you sow. And you pay the price for the awful seeds that you sow. David pays the price, listen, for this awful sin that he did. And he pays the price for his entire life. The Bible says that Bathsheba gave David a boy and this illegitimate child. Yeah, I said it illegitimate. That's not a PC word anymore. Nowadays, you don't know why he's illegitimate. Now that's that's a negative connotation. It's not PC, illegitimate. That's what it is. Can we stop redefining the dictionary? Thank you, five people. Where you at? Illegitimate. The child was illegitimate. She gives David a boy, and later on, you'll find out next time, the baby dies. The baby dies. You reap what you sow. As again, David pays for this sin his entire life. The blood of Uriah is on his hands forever. David lost the respect of his family. His daughter is raped. His son is murdered. His other son, Absalom, led a rebellion against him. The point is, actions have consequences that go on for years. There is nothing covered up. God sees everything. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Nobody's getting away with anything. And I will tell you this, and then I'm going to close. I know it's the second time I said it, but I'm, I'm, I mean it this time. I mean it. Stop laughing, Jay. David is tortured by this. Probably for the rest of your life. Now, I don't think there's anyone in this room that could understand what I'm about to say, but I know for a fact, that you can do things or say things that you regret, for the, that haunts you for the rest of your life. Your words can be very hurtful. And the things that you say, the things that you do, you can, you ever, you ever live, I, you ever live like you, you do something and, and man, you regret that. You regret that with all your heart. You wish you could take it back, but you can't. You can't, but you regret it, and you wish you never said it, and you wish you never done it, but you did. David regrets this. How you know, Pastor? 
Because when I read the Psalms, two specifically, Psalm 32, come on with me. Psalm 32, turn with me. We're going we're gonna to end right here. Psalm 32. <laughs> I should just stop saying that. Psalm 32. I should just keep going. So don't say that. Psalm 32. Okay, so Psalm 32, your Bible says, a contemplation of David. It's a contemplation of David over the sin with Bathsheba. This is his writing. This is his heart being poured out over what he has done in 2 Samuel, relates right back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Blessed is he, David says, in whose transgression is forgiven. Are y'all with me? Whose sin is covered. Now, in the New Testament, our sin is taken away. In the Old Testament, the blood of the sacrificial lamb covered their sin. But when you cover something, it's still there. It's just not seen. In the New Testament, our sin is taken away. It's removed. It's not covered. It's not there. And God says, it's never to be remembered anymore. You should be glad about that. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Are you glad about it? Blessed is the man, in verse 2, is the man to whom the Lord does not impute. That's an accounting word, impute, account, iniquity, sin, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I keep silent, my bones grew old. That means when he was trying to hide his sin, it's just eating you up. My bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy. Your sin was so heavy that that it just plagued you day and night. It just bothered you. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance. And he goes on. Speaking of his sin with Bathsheba. And then look at Psalm 51. Look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Also written with the backdrop of 2 Samuel chapter 11. Notice Psalm 51, a prayer of repentance to the chief musician, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet, next chapter 12, went to him After he had gone into Bathsheba, David writes, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. And you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in sin, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be, what saints, whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken. See, God broke those bones when he Revealed his sin. That's chapter 12. I'm getting ahead of myself with Nathan the prophet. We'll talk about it next time. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Hide your face from my sins. And blot out all my iniquity. Created me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips. And my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you don't desire sacrifice. Or else I'd give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit and a contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem as protection. And then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of the righteous. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. And so, chapter 12, saga continues. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.